The scripture for this morning's message is going to come from Numbers, the 13th chapter. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I'd ask that you turn to Numbers. It's the fourth chapter in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then we hit Numbers. We'll be looking at chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 27 through 33. When Numbers open, The Israelites have been camped in the wilderness. They have been there since Moses led them out of Egypt. As God commanded, 12 men are chosen to spy out the land, the land promised to them by God. And we'll pick up in verse 27, as the spies have returned 40 days with their report. If you would turn with me as we look at verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites and live in Negev. The Hesitites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, came from Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we recognize your presence in this place this morning. Lord, we come seeking your word. We come seeking your truth. Lord, we come seeking your promises. We give you thanks for your promises and your word that are the same yesterday as today and every day to come. Lord, may your water, may your word be like water splashed in our faces this morning, waking us up to your truth, waking us up to your word and your promises. Lord, help us to grasp a greater understanding in such a way that it changes us forever. Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Just a little further than what we read this morning, we find in Numbers chapter 14, verse 9, we're encouraged not to be afraid. Do not be afraid, for the Lord is with us. While God is absolutely loving good and all powerful. Our world is the center stage for a very real and powerful battle between good and evil. Ephesians chapter six says to us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. 
but against the rules and against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evils. God doesn't promise us a life without pain. We're not always buffered from the effects of the evil on the battlegrounds. There's storms that are raging all around us. And there's a good chance, church, that we're gonna end up getting wet. Fear focuses on the storms. Fear focuses on the obstacles, on the giants. But faith focuses on God. God declares in Isaiah chapter 41, do not be afraid for I am with you. Do not be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, Lord. I will help you, yes, Lord. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand, yes, Lord. This language that we hear in the text is loving and affectionate as a parent holds a frightened child through the storm. So God holds us in the midst of our circumstances and the midst of the obstacles and the giants that stand before us and that would otherwise overtake us. The Lord is with us. With God's help, we'll come out on the other side and we give honor and glory to God. October 31st, 1517, a little known German monk named Martin Luther made a trip to All Saints Church in a German town of Wittenberg, long used as the, as the official bulletin board. Martin Luther nailed it to that bulletin board, to those doors of that church, 95 theses. 95 he nailed. And what were those theses? They were a statement of his objection to some of the practices of the church in his day. And now maybe you're warning 500 years later, does it really matter? And church, the answer is absolutely. The Reformation matters because confessing the truth matters. The Reformation matters because hearing the truth matters. The Reformation matters because believing the truth matters. May God give us the faith to believe the truth. May God give us the ears to hear and eager to hear the truth. May God embolden us to confess the truth. Living a life of faith, believing the truth, hearing the truth, confessing the truth. We live a life of joy, a life of passion, and we honor God. It's the dance of a lifetime. It's the divine dance. As Chris Tomlin's classic song says, I am alive on God's great dance floor. The dance, when we're alive on God's great dance floor, it's something that circumstances can't still. It's a gift from God that we're to give back to God to honor him. It unlocks God's grace and mercies and miracles to be poured out upon us. And so this morning in our Old Testament scripture reading, there's a focus on a guy named Caleb. He was emboldened to confess the truth. 
And we'll see later when he was 85 years old, he was more joyful and more passionate about life than ever before. And Caleb has every reason to have lost his joy, to have lost his passion. 45 years before Moses had sent Caleb and 11 other spies into the promised land to investigate, to come back and to give a report. And so they come back and two of the spies say, the land is formed with milk and honey. And it's amazing and God has promised us this land. Let's go for it. Let's take it. Let's take what God has put our name on and has promised us. But they were outvoted. The other 10 spies came back and they said, yeah, it's a land formed of milk and honey, but, but there are giants in the land. There's a group called the Anakites and they're huge and we can't take them. We can't take their land. And because of their unbelief, they were sent to wander in the desert for 40 years. Because of their unbelief, so many times there are things of this world that attempt to silence the truth. There are difficulties and obstacles. There are storms. There are giants that we face that attempt to steal our joy and passion. But here's Caleb, who seems to have had every reason to have lost his joy, wandering around in the desert for 40 years, no fault of his own. But yet, what we'll hear is he is still alive on God's great dance floor. He's more passionate and joyful than ever before. And I don't know about you, but I want to have that kind of joy. I want to have that kind of passion that as I stand before the giants that I face, as the storms begin to rage, to be alive on God's great dance floor. And so as we read through text this morning, what we'll find is we have to begin to live from our convictions because our core convictions produce passion. I want us to flip over to Joshua, the 14th chapter. And here in Joshua, we recall Israel's failed attempt to take the land 40 years earlier, as we just read in Numbers chapter 13. We'll begin in verse 7. Here he proclaims, I brought back a report. I brought back a report according to my convictions. Caleb remembers when he first stepped into the promised land. As he stepped on to that floor of his destiny, the promised land that God had given to him. And then they came back with a report. And he doesn't come back with just any report, but a report based on his deepest convictions. He said, yes, there are giants in the land. Yes, there is giant problems ahead of us, but there's a really great opportunity, an opportunity for God 
to show us his strength, for God to show us and pour out his grace and mercies in our lives. Bill Johnson of Bethel Church says, faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. It denies it a place of influence. You and I must hold on to our convictions, but we have to let go of our disappointments. Here we see Caleb had every reason to be hurt. He had every reason to be bitter. He had tasted the land. He had tasted the wild honey only to be pulled away, to be pulled out of the promised land because of what some others had done. What a tremendous disappointment. In verse eight of Joshua 14, he says, but my brothers who went up with me made the heart of people melt. So the negative report of these spies who came back cast a shadow over the entire camp. Caleb experienced the shadow of hurt. His Israelite brothers had hurt him deeply when they voted against him, when they said, we're not going your way. They hurt him deeply. Their unbelief brought them to the wilderness to wander for 40 years. And you know, sometimes church, we make decisions that come with consequences. There are things that happen because of the choices that we make. But there are times in which you and I will be hurt because life is unfair. There will be many who will come into our life and there will be hurts and disappointments. And we don't always get to choose the hurt that comes into our lives. We don't always get to choose the problems and the pain that we experience. But what we do get to choose, what we get to choose is how we respond. And Caleb chose to let go to let go of the hurt and the pain and to continue in faith, to continue to hold on to the promises of God. Nelson Mandela says, bitterness is like drinking poison and thinking it's going to kill your enemy. Is that so true, church? We hold on to our hurt. We hold on to our anger. And we think that we're getting back at those who have hurt us. We think that we're getting even. And really, all that happens is it poisons our passion and it kills our joy. An important part of love is forgiveness. To forgive is to choose to affirm the well-being of those who have hurt us. Forgiveness doesn't mean ignoring the hurt that has happened, the hurt that has been caused. But what it does do is it's choosing to love with God's help, despite the hurt and the pain. God's loving forgiveness has an effect far beyond today. Beyond our present generation, peace reigns for future generations. I believe the psalmist said it best as he said, the Lord's steadfast love endures forever. Caleb experienced 
the bitterness of delay. He had to wait to experience the destiny, his destiny and the promised land. And often when we're waiting on God, as we wait and there's difficult and hard waiting rooms, if you're anything like me, there are times that we begin to doubt and we begin to wonder and we even begin to question. Or maybe it's just me. But often those questions come, God, do you even know what's going on here? Are you ever going to come through? Because waiting is hard. I don't think any of us like to wait. And yet, there are some of us who are in waiting rooms. And we've been waiting, and we've been waiting. We've been waiting on God. And let me just tell you that delay never destroys God's plan. It's in those waiting rooms of our lives, those hardest, difficult moments of waiting rooms that we truly receive the dance lessons of a destiny. We must long for God with our whole heart. In verse eight, the second part of Joshua, as he's just said that his brothers brought back a report that melted the people's hearts with fear. He says, I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. That word wholeheartedly is used three times to describe Caleb. See, whenever we go at something half-heartedly, when we go into our commitments half-heartedly, we lose our joy, we lose our passion to honor God, to give Him praise and glory. We have to give our first and our best. And you and I can honor God in everything that we do. When we give, when you and I give half-hearted efforts, we dishonor God. We limit the grace and mercies that he pours out on us. Caleb remembered God's promise in verse nine. In verse nine, he says, so on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. For 45 years, Caleb clung to the promise that God had given him, the promise that God had given to the people that one day he would be back in the promised land, that one day they would be in the promised land together. And I love verse 11. This might be my favorite verse of this text because Caleb says, I am still as strong today as the day I was when Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I'm still as strong today, he says, church. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. 85 years old and God finally brings him to the promised land. Is it handed over to him on a silver platter? 
No. You would think that God would just hand it to him at this point. He's been faithful. He's held on to the promise, but yet Caleb has to drive out the enemy. He has to, by faith, take the land that God has promised to him. Caleb says, give me my mountain. My name is on it. It's interesting that the Anakites were still there, but Caleb knew. Caleb knew that all he had to do was to step foot, to step foot on it, and God would give him the victory. Caleb says, with the Lord helping me, not on his own, not with all his buddies, but with the Lord helping me, I'll take this mountain. I'll take the promised land that God has put my name on. He gave God all the credit, all the glory, and all the honor with God helping me. The promise of God, church, is before you and I. And yes, there are giants in the land. Yes, there are battles to fight. But the question before us this morning is will you take your mountain? Will you hold to your faith? Will you come from your core convictions? Will you, pre will you speak from your passions? Will you speak truth? Will you listen to hear truth? Will you be so emboldened to proclaim truth? Will you take your mountain? Let us pray. Father God, you are the almighty creator of heaven and of earth. Lord, you are creator of all that is seen and unseen. You breathe life into your people. Lord, you have called us your very own. And Lord, you've made promises in our lives. Ones that you're just waiting for us to claim. You're waiting for us to say, give me my mountain. Father, give us the kind of faith and patience that we might come alive, that, Lord, we might be emboldened to proclaim your good news. Lord, that people will hear us and will see that we have followed you wholeheartedly. Come, Holy Spirit, move us. Come, Holy Spirit, embolden us. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen.